This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Dear Christian friends, the text for our devotion this morning is taken from Acts chapter 2. I invite you to follow along there in your service folder. This is the account of that first Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is God's word. It seems to me there has been, uh, well, calendar says that it's been spring now for about six weeks. But I think there's been sort of a disconnect in communication between spring and the actual weather we've been experiencing. I'm not complaining, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about the weather we have today. But as I recall looking back at this past week, I think early on, did we not have some snow this past week? Yeah. Spring is uh, supposed to be, anyway, a time for change. And wow, is it a welcome change here in Minnesota when it finally comes. As you think of the the tulips and the crocus emerging, as as we see flowers beginning to grow and and leaves on the trees and shrubs beginning to, to open up from buds and finally to grow fully. Oh, it's a welcome change. But in order for that change to take place, when you think about it, there has to be other things going on behind the scenes that we don't see. Not only are those things growing above the ground, but there are obviously roots growing and active beneath the ground in order for all of this to take place. We're taking a look at that theme, roots, 
And as we do, today we're going to see that God gives those roots often to bring about great, glorious change. Today, we see a lot of people who are looking for change. And I think, you know, given the right circumstance, they're looking for change in a variety of different ways. For some, maybe swimsuit season, I don't know. And so they're thinking about all those commercials they'll see about diet and exercise, and and they're looking for change that way. I recently just saw a commercial for uh, Botox injections. So if you don't like those wrinkles, apparently there's something that you can do about it, at least for a little while, bring about some change. Maybe people go to school, right? seminars, conferences, because they're looking to to grow in knowledge and in that way to change. What are you looking to change? Have you given thought to that? If if there was something about you, what would you like that change to be? Maybe you'd like to change your financial position? Maybe you'd like to, to grow in wisdom, knowledge in a certain area? Maybe it's to change, uh, change your diet, change your health. Today we're going to look at the one who can really bring about change. As we take a look at that first Pentecost account, we see God brought change in a powerful way by the work of the Holy Spirit. But today I want us to see that he's still active in changing people's lives right now. Pentecost is often referred to as the birthday of the Christian church. But I don't want you to think that our faith is merely based on something that merely started some 2,000 years ago. Our faith goes back to something with roots, goes back to the beginning of time. God made Adam and Eve, they fell into sin, and right away God made a promise to them that he would send a savior who would rescue them from their lost condition. And the entire Old Testament follows that promise. It's narrowed down in the way in which it's going to be delivered through whose family? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, later to King David. From King David's city it would come, Bethlehem. And along the way, not only that promise we're told about, but there were pictures that were guiding the people sacrifices that were made. People would bring animals. Take, for example, the Passover sacrifice. On that first Passover, they were to take the blood of the lamb, to paint it on the door frames of their houses, and that lifeblood actually rescued the people within that house. It was a picture of what was to come. Other pictures with that lamb was to be a perfect lamb without blemish. A picture of what was to come. It was to be a lamb and you were to take great care not to break any of its bones, a picture of what was to come. And so all along the way, he was guiding that promise, guiding their eyes, lifting them to see the one who would finally come. And when God did keep that promise, when he sent Jesus into the world, John the Baptist said, look, there is the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the answer to those promises, but he was also the fulfillment of all of those pictures. I mean, as I look around today, I don't see that any of you brought any animals to sacrifice. 
And you know, I'm glad because I didn't bring the right apparel for that kind of uh, thing today. But you and I recognize there's been a change. He was the sacrifice that was made once and for all. No longer are we waiting with hopeful expectation for that day when God will finally keep his promise because we now look back and we see with joy that he has kept that promise. Don't be mistaken, on Pentecost there was a major change that took place. It was a shift, you might say, from Judaism to Christianity. And God and the Holy Spirit in a powerful way was saying, this is now my church. But at the same time, recognize there is great value still for us in the Old Testament. It gives us a richness, a depth, you might say roots, that helps us appreciate even more Jesus as that perfect promised Savior. That wasn't the only thing that changed on that first Pentecost. Think about the disciples. You have a group of of guys from all kinds of different backgrounds, and they're following Jesus as he's teaching, going from town to town. They saw us as he died on the cross. They saw as he came back alive again. And as he's about to go up into heaven, they ask him, Lord, are you now finally going to establish an earthly kingdom? I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, at that point, I probably would have been looking for a whole new group of disciples or a brick wall to bang my head into. Like, are you kidding me? They were chronically confused. These were the ones that were going to share the gospel with all of the world. They were timid. They were hiding behind locked doors because they didn't understand. How could they share the message unless they understood? But then came Pentecost. And oh my, what a change. There was the rush of wind, the tongues of fire that appeared on their heads. But also we see there was a change that was occurring. You look beneath, within them. Now they understood. They got it. They shared the message boldly. And from that point, the disciples went out throughout the world spread the gospel, and we know that uh, all but one of them were martyred for it. No longer timid. There was also some other changes that took place. Think of those who heard in their own language that message for the first time. Now, in Jerusalem, there were all kinds of people who were gathered for what was at that time an agricultural festival. So lots of people in the city, but all of a sudden they're hearing that message in their own tongue and it's changing them. It's changing the way that they look at God, at the way they look at themselves, at the way they look at heaven. And those, we're told over 3,000 came to believe in that, that day. Those people left changed with the peace and joy that can only come when you know that Jesus is your Savior. We live in a world that desperately needs change. There are a whole lot of people you'll encounter out there who do not yet know Jesus as their Savior. And so if you ask them if they're going to heaven, they might say, well, I, I hope so. But they don't have that certainty. 
And even you and I as Christians still need change. Now, now we might sort of scratch our head and say, well, we know Jesus already. What needs a change about us? The truth is we still have sinful habits that we hold on to. Selfishness. As Christians, you know, there's parts in the Bible that, yeah, that sounds good. God loves us. He saved us. We get to go to heaven. I'll, I'll take those parts. But then there are other parts in the Bible, more difficult teachings, and then we're not so sure. It needs to be a change so that when we open up his word, we do so like Mary, with humility, simply sitting at his feet. Lord, help me understand this. Change because we are too often like the disciples, too timid to share our faith. Change because our lives don't always reflect the children of God that he intends us to be. There's all kinds of change that can still take place within us. How's that change going to come about? Now, a lot of times people might just say, well, I guess I just have to try harder. That'd be like uh, if I came up, pulled in, and uh, my car is just smoking from maybe the muffler and the hood. and I mean, the thing is just puttering out, and it's just on its last leg. It is breaking down. Let's say it's the engine. And then I say, well, you know, I just have to drive it a little better. That's not going to change and get to the source of the problem. And if we're going to get to the heart of the matter, our hearts then we need to go to the one who alone can bring about that change. The same one who did back in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. Now, in Pentecost, he came in a very direct way. He came powerfully. He came with tongues of fire, speaking in different languages. But the Holy Spirit, don't be mistaken, still comes powerfully today. He comes when you and I gather as a church family around the word. It doesn't look like anything spectacular, but God is changing our hearts, growing roots. He comes when you take that same word and then you combine it with water. We call it baptism, right? Now, on the outside, it doesn't look like anything spectacular, admittedly. But God says that something amazing is taking place there because he's causing change. He's causing that person, even a little child, believe in him. When you take that same word and you bring it together with the bread and the wine, it doesn't look like anything fancy. But he's causing great power and change because he's saying this is now the proof of his love and no sin you've committed, no guilt you still carry can separate you from that love. That's powerful change. What is it that you would like to change? Is it maybe your financial position? Or is it to grow in the peace of knowing that he's in control? To grow in contentment from the one who can alone change your heart? Is it to change your appearance? Maybe you're trying to look for love. You're trying to fill a void in your heart that only he can finally fill. 
Is it going to school and learning about certain subject? And that's fine. But as you do so, grow with the wisdom and the perspective that can alone come from Him and His Word. Is it growing in confidence so that you can share your faith? Is it growing so that your life reflects the way He wants it to be? I'm going to be personally praying. I'm suspecting there's a number of you who will also be praying that God is going to cause the, the roots under the ground to, to keep right on growing so we see the grass continue to green, the flowers grow, and the leaves come alive. But friends, as we do, let's also pray that God the Holy Spirit would grow roots for us, roots of change, roots within our hearts in such a way that they would also outwardly reflect that change he is making. Amen. Please stand.